What's up, guys? Welcome back to another Sport Universe podcast. It's me, Brian, and I'm joined with Nick. What's going on, guys? Uh, so, it is the first day of Hanukkah, so happy Hanukkah to all the fellow Jews out there. Well, not for happy Nick. Happy But, um, and also, Merry Christmas to, and I guess a couple days for um, those that celebrate celebrate Christmas. I don't know when Kwanzaa and that starts. I've heard Kwanzaa's not even a real holiday. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'll be honest. Like, it's something that was made up. I, I could be totally wrong on that. Nobody <laughs> I think that you're as wrong. Fact. Yeah, nobody, nobody take that as fact. But I, <laughs> I've heard, like, like Kwanzaa was made up by African groups to have... Oh, all of us. Like, like, Af- I heard, like, African immigrants. Like, oh. like legitimate African immigrants to, to have a holiday to match during the holiday season. I Again, I could be totally wrong. <laughs> this is what I've heard. Um... <laughs> is it happy Kwanzaa? Happy Kwanzaa to anyone that celebrates that. But and that's why we're a sports podcast. So let's talk about sports. Uh, so I guess baseball wise, um, the biggest free agent signing of this week, Dallas Keuchel signed with the White Sox to a three-year, fifty-five point five million dollar deal. Um, Dallas Keuchel's poses an interesting situation, I guess. For those that don't remember, he was he signed with the Braves like mid season um, after he was holding out for a large contract in the off season prior to when was that twenty eighteen season yeah prior to the twenty eighteen season holding out for a long co- a big contract never got it and he just decided to wait it out till a playoff team wanted to sign him and he got it with the Braves. Um, now, obviously, he's on the White Sox. The Braves didn't want to pay him the price that he wanted to get paid. Dallas Keuchel had, he's always had really good seasons. He had an okay season. His velocity did dip during this season, which is something to keep an eye on. He's definitely getting up there in age. How old is Dallas Keuchel? Uh, Dallas Keuchel, Dallas Keuchel. He is 31 years old, so that's not really bad, actually. Um, and... He had a 3.85 ERA, I think, last year. So, solid numbers. Um, I feel like, based off the deals that pitchers have been getting this offseason, that's pretty, actually, like, very good for who Dallas Keuchel is and what he can be. Um, Definitely a good signing for the White Sox. Would have been nice if the Mets signed him, but whatever. Um, I guess from there, we'll talk about... I don't know, Nick, do you have anything about that? No, I think it's a good price. Three years, fifty-five million. You know, compared to some of the top pitchers that were signed this season. Garrett Cole. It's a good pickup for the White Sox. Yeah, yeah. It's a big, uh, pick up, good pickup for the White Sox. Mets rumors. I want to get into. So the Cespedes salary situation is kind of confusing. I'll try my best to explain it. So there's been a lot of different news about it. What I seem to think it is is his. I guess I'll give background on it. Obviously, they signed Cespedes to a four-year deal a while back. Um, he's played not a lot of games because whenever the Mets sign anyone, they get injured. And basically what happened, he had an injury on his ranch in Florida, uh, and the Mets decided they weren't going to pay him because the activity he was doing at his ranch was something that they cited in their contract that he can't do, and if he gets injured, like they're not going to pay him. And then... The Players Association, um, I don't know what the exact word is, but tried to qualify that, and they were going to get into a dispute, but they decided to, what's the word when you end things like that? Terminate? Yeah. Uh, they decided to stop it, and they, I guess you could say split the difference, but his salary was cut to $10 million. So, basically cut in half, they, the Mets would be getting $10 million back for the 2019 season. And the news came out today that the 2020, not today, news came out this week that the 2020 salary was dropped from like $23.5 million to $6 million. Um, but in reality, the $6 million, he, there's a lot of incentives that they put into the deal um, when they renegotiated. So he can, I think, make $20 million back if he, or 10, I don't remember the exact number, if he play, if he has 650 plate appearances in 2020. So, I mean, 
hopefully he does have that many plate appearances. It seems like P it rumors getting around that he's actually gonna possibly start opening day for the Mets and that he he said I get I think it was this week too that he wants to play 140 games and hit over 40 home runs. I'd be fine with that. Um, I also feel like, from just a Mets fan's perspective, I feel like everyone's forgetting about what Yoan Assessment can bring to the table for the Mets, and tomorrow, Assessment's highlight video is going up, but he can be... There's, like, two different sides to Assessment. He can be the, the biggest star, or he could get suffer injury after injury, and basically be nothing, which is what has happened for the Mets. But his um, his surgeries that he's gotten were pretty to prevent future hamstring injuries, which was the big problem for him. And uh, hopefully he can be that star player for the Mets again. And he could add a big component to the Mets lineup that could make them a very formative team. But off of that... <clears throat> What I think the Mets should do for the rest of free agency, I feel like this has been like a pretty big thing people are discussing, and I did a reacts on this, but I feel that the Mets, based off last season, they had a pretty good season. They won 86 games, so definitely are on the right track, and I feel that the talent that they have on their team, the only thing that they really need is relief pitching. And to be honest, I'm not... That were I want them to sign Dylan Patances, and I think that would make the most sense for them. He's not gonna. They're not. What am I trying to say? He's not gonna need a lot of money to sign because coming off the season he had, where he's injury, people aren't gonna risk it for him. And after that, they just go out and sign uh, minor league deal pitchers for, to minor league deals. And what we see with bullpen pitchers is they're very uh, volatile. And if you can just find a couple of diamonds in the rough, that could for, uh, fortify their bullpen. And I feel like the Mets could be in a really good situation if they do that. Um, that's it for Mets stuff. I don't want to go into rumors and stuff like that because none of that might be true. So, Nick, you can give your spiel. Uh, sure, yeah. Just a little bit of filling up or catching up on the Yankees. Uh, if you guys remember, was it last time, two times before, the Yankees, you know, in succession with signing Garrett Cole and, and needing to let some money go somewhere, they let Austin Romine walk, who's been a very formidable backup catcher for the Yankees. He's been really solid for them when Gary Sanchez uh, is out. Uh, Gary Sanchez, not the greatest night-to-night catcher. He definitely he gets tired. He, I think he, had, in my opinion, I think he probably has some weak knees. Um, you know. And what I mean weak is weak in that, you know, he's obviously got strong knees. He's a really good catcher in the MLB. It's just the fact that he, he can't go a whole season catching behind the, the plate every night. It takes wear and tear on his body. So the Yankees finding a, a good backup catcher is kind of important, but they also need to find somewhere to save money. So you know, with letting Osteromine go, the Yankees signed this week um, Eric Kratz. Uh, he was a backup catcher for a while in the MLB now. Um, he's been with the Yankees four times. Um, and the last time he was on the Yankees, it was in, tw- it was in 2017. So the Yankees signed to a, a backup catcher, and uh, he, he's going to fight for the, the backup spot for the Yankees. So it's a pretty important role for the Yankees, uh, even though it's just a backup catcher spot. So we'll see what comes out of that. Um, so that, that's all the news that's really broken on the Yankees so far, other than like Yankees signing Garrett Cole and just uh, press conferences and stuff like that. I still think the Yankees need to find probably another player to fill out their roster, whether it be at first base to back up or take over a Luke Voigt spot or somewhere in the outfield. Uh, we'll have to see where they go there. But that's all the Yankees news that's, that's happened since they signed Garrett Cole for the most part. Yeah. That's all baseball news. Um, NFL time. Richard is not here again. He's on vacation, which is fine. So it's going to be Nick's time to show. Let's do this. Uh, so this week in the NFL, there's a lot of games that don't matter, and I'm probably just going to skip over a lot of them. At this point, teams we have all divi- our division leaders locked in, and teams that are fighting for playoffs. You know, everyone knows how it kind of goes towards the end of the season. You're going to have a, a a rather complicated sequence of you know this team needs to win and this team needs to lose for this team to get into the playoffs. So 
you know, I'm not really going to get too much into that. I'm just going to let that be what it is because there's a million storylines there. Uh, but beyond that, I, I just want to cover the division leaders so far. Um, so when we're looking at division leaders, what I mean by division leaders is that they're the lock-ins for the playoff spot. Uh, so in the AFC North, uh, I, that's kind of still a, a throw-up. I'd probably say the Steelers are probably going to win that out. It could be the Colts. I, I'm leaning towards the Steelers. They did suffer a loss today to the Jets, which we'll get into in a minute. Um, this, this list is all messed up. Holy cow. This list had the um, had the Cowboys in the AFC South. What? I'm so confused. Um, yeah, I, I just I just have a list up, guys, just so I could track every single per every single team. Okay, this list is a lot more accurate. Let me, let me backtrack everything I just said. Uh, that so in, in the AFC. Oh my god, I, I can't even. This this list isn't right. Either. What is wrong with Google nowadays? Holy Jesus, man. All right, in the AFC North, which I, I'm like, that's what I was thinking when I originally read that off, is that uh, the AFC, why would the Steelers be in the AFC South? So in the AFC North, it's obviously going to be the Ravens. They've had a phenomenal season this so far, and, and they're the number one team in the NFL. So they've locked in the AFC North. Uh, AFC East is the Patriots have locked them in. Bills are not too far behind. They're probably going to be a wild card spot. Uh, but the Steelers losing today with the Jets, they're most likely not going to get that spot in the wild card. Um, then the AFC South, I'd say the Texans have definitely locked. I think they've locked in the division, and the Titans are still fighting for a wild card spot. AFC West, the Chiefs are in as the division leaders. They've locked in the playoffs. Uh, the Raiders still fighting for a playoff spot. Uh, the NFC East, it's pretty much finalized now. The Eagles are going to win out the division. They beat the Cowboys today. Um, the NFC North, and there's, there's no team in the NFC East that's going to make the the wild card spot. They're all pretty terrible. Uh, NFC North, the Packers, I think have a locked in the division and the Vikings are still fighting for a playoff spot. NFC South, the saints have won out the division and there's no other team really comp- competing for a playoff spot besides maybe the bucks, but they're definitely not going to get it. Um, and then the NFC West, the Seahawks have won out the, no, actually no, the 49ers have won out the division and the Seahawks are almost a guaranteed play, uh, wild card spot there. So, those those are the the, the locks in for the playoffs and the people who are competing for it. Uh, in terms of game to games, I'm not sure if you watched the Jets game today, Brian. Um, I watched a little bit, but not enough to really talk about it. All right. Um. So the Jets Steelers game was pretty interesting today. Uh, the Steelers wound up going back to Mason Rudolph, and they, they flopped pretty heavily. Uh, I think ultimately the reality is that Mason Rudolph is not a starting caliber quarterback in the NFL. And it's just that simple. Uh, Adam Gase continues to, you know, go on a positive trend, which is good news for the Jets. Um, that's about all there is to talk about there. Um, beyond that, the Giants and the Redskins bowl. Uh, Redskins, the Giants and Redskins played today. There's another game I wanted to cover. It was basically the Chase Young Bowl. Whatever team lost the game uh, is pretty much in the two, is going to get the number two spot in the draft, which they're going to draft Chase Young because both those teams drafted quarterbacks last season. And, of course, the Giants show up in the game that doesn't matter. And we won like stu- like idiots. And now we're, we're screwed out of Chase Young. Uh, also, when I, turn, when I think of you know going towards the draft, because this season's a wash for the Giants, I'm hoping now that we're kind of out of the Chase Young sweepstakes because we won too many games, we could trade back in our slot. Because we really – I don't know. I don't find any reason for us to pick that high when we're not really looking for like one role to really solidify our team. We need, we need talent everywhere, and it's not a quarterback slot. So we could definitely trade back with a team that really needs a quarterback and then pick up a lot of a lot of players, a lot of you know young, talented, with a lot of potential players that can fill out our roster, and that would really help uh, boost us back into a more competitive team. Um, same thing with the Red, I was That would be the same thing, honestly, with the Redskins because they drafted Dwayne Haskins, but since they won today, they're most likely going to get Chase Young. Chase Young, Chase Young is, is a generational talent, you know, at least that's how he looks going in, going into the draft. So if you have the chance to select him, I think you got to. Uh, beyond that, I think the most important game of the week and the only game of the week that really matters heavily is going to be the Cowboys and Eagles game, which the Eagles came out on top 17-9. and nine. Uh, That moves the Eagles to 8-7 and seven versus the Cowboys being 7-8. and eight. And effectively, uh, 
I I don't know exactly how it would work, but the Eagles would have to lose to the Giants next week, and the Cowboys would have to win. And I think it'd probably go on point differential at that point between when the Eagles and Cow- so the Eagles and Cowboys played each other twice this year. I know the Cowboys blew out the Eagles in the first game, but the Eagles won by a smaller margin today. So if the Eagles win next week, they have the guaranteed playoff slot, and that's the end of it. But if the Eagles lose and the Cowboys win, I believe the Cowboys might get the slot based on point differential because they both traded 1-1. So I think it goes off point differential. I could be wrong. But that was a really good game today. Uh, Carson Wentz is, is really – he's – it may not seem like it because the Eagles have had so many injuries this year, but he really is still the MVP caliber player that he was. Uh, was it back in his 2017 season? Uh, he's he's really talented, makes the right reads. He just he does so much for the Eagles, and he's really putting a team that. <clears throat> what do you think about it? Uh, Zach Ertz was out today, so the Eagles didn't have essentially all the entire bunch of starting receivers that they had at the beginning of the year. I think they might have one left. The. Uh, their team is just a mess. So many injuries, and they're still fighting through it. They're eight and seventeen. Again, I think it's an attest- it's a testament to Carson Wentz's talent, along with Doug Peterson's coaching. So that was a really good game for the week, and it's just something I wanted to cover. Um, going on from that, the Chiefs and the Bears are playing right now, which is two pretty competitive teams. I expect the Chiefs to win. The Chiefs are up ten nothing. And we have the Packers and Vikings on uh, Monday tomorrow. Which seems it's probably going to hold a, a good caliber in, in terms of like weight in terms of. I think if the Packers lose and the Vikings win, the Vikings are a lot more likely to get a playoff spot because the Vikings are ten and four and the Packers are eleven three. So I don't know. That's another one of those, one of those divisions that's going to be really close. We'll see. To, we'll see how that game ends out. Um, uh, beyond that, I think I talked a lot of a lot of it. Um, in terms of like what, what's going to happen in the next week or so. Uh, I just wanted, with, with this being next to last week, I did want to talk about my picks for the NFL awards that are coming up in a couple weeks. Um, or is it is it postseason? I forget when they pick the awards. But, you know, not, not the regular season is effectively over. I would want to pick uh, my players who are going to win, uh, the players who are going to win awards. So starting off with the most important one, MVP. I'm probably going to go with Lamar Jackson. Phenomenal season. He edged out. He edged out Russell Wilson in the later the latter half of the season. Uh, he he made a really big jump this year in terms of his ability to read the defense, and he's worked on his throwing mechanics, which was, which was a big part for him. Uh, I wouldn't say they have made a total 180 as I've said in the past, but they're definitely a lot better than they were last year. And again, just his ability to read a defense has gone night and day. Um, by far the best quarterback in the NFL this year, and definitely the MVP in my opinion. You know, when when Mike Vick came to league, he was phenomenal. He was nothing like the leagues ever saw him before. And Lamar Jackson topped him this year. He was even better than Michael Vick. And I get I don't know if people are realizing how good Lamar Jackson is, but when we look back at this, you look at the stats and you look how Lamar Jackson played. He was better than Mike Vick, and Mike Vick is considered. You know, when we turn talk about pure talent wise, we're not talking about accolades, obviously. You know, Mike Vick was was the best quarterback, possibly the best quarterback to ever enter in the NFL. So if Lamar Jackson keep it up, you know he could definitely claim that title if he, if he keeps this trend. Um, moving on from that, we have the Coach of the Year award. Uh, I'd probably to go Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin is probably the favorite right now, simply because of the fact that number one, you lost your starting quarterback to an injury, Ben Roethlisberger. You lost Le'Veon Bell. You you lost Ryan Shazier two years ago, who's who's the captain of your defense, and it's still affecting them. I'd say, that, but they did draft Devin Bush to try and replace him. And he's been pretty he's been pretty good this year, so that was a solid uh, draft by the Steelers. But you lost Le'Veon Bell, you lost Antonio Brown, Antonio Brown, uh, Connor James Connor's been out for a lot of the season uh, between the ordeal with the Cleveland Browns. And with all that said and done, the fact that the Steelers are above five hundred in the win column is just crazy. Like that that team is a complete mess. And it, it's it's really because of his coaching and his ability to handle uh, stress. And, and being under pressure, that that team is a is a winning team, and they might even make the playoffs with with, you know, they're kind of in a rebuilding mode right now, just just because how in shambles that team is. So again, the fact that they they're above five hundred in the win column is really big, and you know you got you got to tip your hat to uh, Mike Tomlin there. Uh, moving on, offensive player of the year award, I'd probably give this to Christian McCaffrey. Uh, I wouldn't think they'd go with another quarterback here. They're definitely just how the awards work. They're probably going to go with a running back just because quarterbacks are almost MVP every year. I think the last one to do it was Adrian Peterson, who had a 
a monster year that year. Like he had, he rushed for like over 300 yards in the game, so he was definitely deserving of that year. But uh, going on from that, uh, Christian McCaffrey, phenomenal year. The Panthers were kind of a mess this year. They lost, uh, lost Cam Newton, fired their coach, and through all that, through all that drama, uh, Christian McCaffrey was was an amazing running back this year. You know, definitely top two, top three running back in the NFL. Um, I, I mean that like uh, objectively, just stuck in it from objective that you, you could argue maybe another running back or here and there, but I definitely say, in my opinion, at least Chris McCaffrey was the best running back in the NFL this year. Um, so he, he'd be my offensive player of the year. On the defensive side, I'd probably give to Stephon Gilmore. Um, he had like five picks in the first like five games of the season, which was nuts. But. It, it, for a player like Stefan Gilmore, it's really hard to judge them based off of stats. Simply because when you right, you're you're already coming into the year as one of the best quarterbacks and cornerbacks in the NFL. He had a pretty good year last year. Uh so this year starts, right? He gets five interceptions in like the five in the first five games. I forget what it was. Team, at that point, teams start to avoid you. They throw away throw away from you. They don't want to throw towards you because it's gonna end an interception. They'll 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 do what they can to to not throw the ball your way. So again, like from that point on, it's really hard to judge them in stats. But he's been a lockdown corner this year in the NFL, in my opinion, the best. He's really been a, a leader on that, that Patriots defense, which at the beginning of the season was absolutely phenomenal, the best defense we've ever seen. And towards the latter end of the season, they're, they're not quite as good as they were, and that's because teams have slightly figured them out, but also they face better teams. Um, but beyond that, they've still been a great defense, and you, you can't take anything away from them. And it's, it's been in part a good amount to uh, Stephon Gilmore and his ability to cover and his ability to, to help lead the defense. Um, in terms of rookie of the year, I, it's kind of hard to say. I, I really couldn't pinpoint a single rookie of the year this year. Um, I, there's, there's a lot of different guys you could probably give it to. I, I don't know. Who, who do you think would you go for, Brian? I'm like blanking on who the rookies are this year. Uh, so some of the people that you could select are probably like Josh Jacobs, uh, Nick Bosa, uh, Kyler Murray. Probably, I mean, I feel like quarterbacks are always rookie of the years, but I'd probably say Kyler Murray. Um, if I'm being honest, I'm not very familiar with what Nick Bosa has done this season, but I know for sure that Kyler Murray, he hasn't had, like, out, like an outstanding season, but he's definitely been very good, and with the team that the Cardinals have, there's not a lot of talent for him to throw to, which is a problem for young quarterbacks but if I were to pick Kyler Murray but with the caveat I don't really know how Nick Bosa has done so or Josh Jacobs um yeah I probably agree with you there they probably are going to go with a quarterback there to be honest with you it's kind of like the MVP award this is who I like to go with as a quarterback there which I definitely say is something to look at in terms of like how we give out awards but at the same time, quarterback is a very valuable position, so that's yeah. it's kind of the reason why they do go with that every year. Um, I would disagree with you. I think Kyler Murray's had some decent targets this year. Okay. Um, yeah. Between who they drafted between Andy Isabella, um, I forget was it Christian Kirk, uh, Larry Fitzgerald. I wouldn't say his talent's great, but it's not it's not horrendous. Yeah, I guess that's true. But it, it's it's neither here or there. Um, Kyler Murray was by far the probably the best uh, rookie quarterback this year. Next to maybe like Daniel Jones, you know, he's been pretty good this year. But Daniel Jones puts up a lot of touchdowns, but he also has a lot of interceptions. He's he's identical to Eli Manning. He, I think he's a little more he's a more athletic Eli Manning. Hmm. We'll see how his career turns out. But uh, going back to Kyler Murray again, I think he's probably going to be offensive. He's going to be uh, rookie of the year, just just based off his position alone. Yeah. Uh, going offensive rookie of the year, I'd probably put that on Josh Jacobs if it goes to Kyler Murray because. That, again, it's kind of like where they go for MVP versus Offensive Player of the Year, Rookie Offensive Player of the Year is usually a running back, and Josh Jacobs was the best running back. He's also probably the best rookie player on, on offense this year. So I think he's a pretty clear pick there. He was really good for the Raiders. And then a Defensive Rookie of the Year award, it's probably going to go to Nick Bosa. He had a he had a very good season. Uh, he, made his, he made the Pro Bowl with this year with his brother uh, uh, Joey, so it's pretty interesting. Uh in terms of Nick Bosa's stat, just in case you didn't know, he has nine sacks, which is pretty decent for a rookie. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, nothing record-breaking, but but very good. Uh, so that would be your defensive rookie of the year. 
And then comeback player of the year, which is the last one I'm going to cover because there's a lot of them, but these are the ones that really matter. I'm probably going to go with Jimmy Garoppolo there. Uh, what has he been injured for the past two years? You know, he, he showed flashes of talent since he's been on the Patriots. And this year, it's kind of finally all come to fruition. We've seen him lead a team, very, very successful 49ers team. Uh, he's been phenomenal in the passing game. He's good at reading defenses. He's a product of Bill Belichick, and it shows. Um, so he, he's my comeback player of the year. It's nice to see a player who's been injured for so long to take what he's learned and his athletic ability and really put it to, uh, to good use. So that would probably be the NFL rundown for the day. Okay. Um, so a little NBA stuff I want to talk about. This is just more of a m- mention. There's nothing really to talk about. But last night the Raptors pulled out a 30-point comeback. They were down, I think, 30 towards like the end of the third quarter and managed to beat out the Mavericks, which was obviously a pretty cool moment. Um, but other than that, what I really want to talk about. So I talked about this probably like a month a couple months ago or a month ago, um, the NBA had been thinking about doing like an in-season tournament similar to March Madness um, because what a big problem for the NBA right now, which I think is more for all sports, maybe not football, but people have stopped really watching the NBA on TV and stuff like that, more using like, ESPN Gamecast and stuff to keep up with everything, especially in the regular season. Um, And so they're trying to figure out how to make the NBA season more interesting. And one of the things they talked about was an in-season tournament. And so what's currently being talked about right now is for that tournament, whoever ends up winning it, every player on that team gets a million dollars extra, like a million dollar per player prize, which... I guess is interesting. I'm still not sold on this whole in-season tournament thing. I feel like it, even if it's a million per pro- per player, I really think it's kind of silly. Um, I just think it's the product of the time that some, there's not going to be as many eyes on the NBA season and obviously more of a focus when it gets to the playoffs. I just think... March Madness is for college basketball, and I don't think it has a fit in the NBA. I mean, you already have the playoffs, and that's what should be the focus. So I don't really understand the point of doing this in-season tour. I guess I do understand the point, but I don't really think it makes sense for the NBA to do. You have any thoughts? I 100% agree with you. It doesn't make any sense. It just it doesn't fit. Yeah. I think James Harden said, like, what is this college? It just, it just doesn't make any sense. Um, and I think you, you hit on a point that it makes a lot of sense that it's kind of a money grab for the NBA. They're realizing that their, their ratings are down. They're not getting as many viewers. And they're just trying to pull in viewers however they can. They're just spitballing ideas, and it's getting leaked to the – I guess it's getting leaked. It's kind of, it's probably purposely getting leaked to, to cause a little bit of hype. And also to but, see what people think. Um, beyond that, I also think it's important to realize like why their ratings are down. I think it's a combination of two things. Uh, one, I think it's more product of the last few years. Like I want to say, like last year or two, all the good players have really moved to the west, west coast. The east coast is a little is is a lot more barren of talent, and so a lot of the best games are in the west coast. And the majority of the U.S. is is not on Pacific time, so uh, you know there's not a lot of people watching that many games yeah, that late at night. Yeah. So that's part. Of, that's partially the reason. I think a bigger reason is a, is is something that's been happening to basketball for a while in terms of the NBA, and it's something I actually it's funny because I talked about this with my mom in the car today because I, I went to the Villanova Kansas game. I'll get to that once we get to the college section, but college basketball more entertaining in terms of when you go to watch college basketball versus NBA basketball. NBA basketball has become such hero ball. Like I, I think I watched a Seventy Sixers game last night. I could have I, I swear to you I saw Ben Simmons grab a rebound on the defensive end. And go to the go go coast to coast and put up a, a contested layup on the other side. It just mm. seems like NBA teams they run too much through their best players. Mm-hmm. It's also a combination of one they're really talented superstars, so you want to do that. But it's also the fans buy into it. You know, if if Ben Simmons puts up forty points, I'm, I'm you know it's not particular to Ben Simmons just because he's in my, fresh in my head. Thirty Sixers fan don't get too, don't get too mad at me, right? Uh, 
if he puts up 40 points, the players get high. People buy more Ben, ben Simmons yeah. t-shirts. And if the 76ers can get a win while doing that, you know, everybody's happy. But at the same time, for people who, who like basketball or a little more, I would say, in tunes into the, the strategies into the game, it's just not as entertaining. It's not as entertaining to watch teams not run any sets and and strictly just take a player and, and shove him into a hole and hopefully hits the layup. I know it's a little more complicated than that, but when you look at college basketball in, in comparison, right, college basketball is a lot more grit. There's a lot more that goes into coaching. Teams, because the talent just is not there. There's not many. There's very few teams in college basketball who have a, a player that's that much above the rest of his peers that they could just run the ball with him every single time like you can in the NBA. Um, you know, there's a lot more sets. Even Villanova, um, we don't we don't run that many sets, but we also have a lot of philosophies, and you can see him like Jay Wright, our coach, he's teaching them a lot of these philosophies. So you know, there's a lot more going into it rather than just hero ball, take this player, go to the other end. I'd say it's less entertaining, but you know, if you guys don't watch college basketball, I'd recommend going down and watching a game, uh, maybe a primetime game, mm-hmm. and then go back to watch the NBA. And you'll watch the NBA games, and you'll go, "What is this? Like this isn't this isn't basketball. It's just it's more for entertainment than it is than it is mm-hmm. for the sport." And I think the combination of those two things have really taken a toll on the fan base as, as a whole. And, you know, we, we have to give credit where credit is due. Uh, NBA is still a really big sport, but I think those are two things that are hindering it um, from growing and keeping steady to where it was. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's my opinion on, on the whole tournament. It's just it's, it's a big money grab at yeah. the end of the day. Those are two interesting points. Um, I had something to say. What was it? I also think that um, a big part, kind of similar to what you said, but I feel like people nowadays that are watching sports are starting to realize, like, the very similar to what you said, but they're starting to realize the business schemes behind everything, and I think they're just starting to get tired of everything that they try to pull across fan, uh, fan bases and just there's a lot of more business than people have realized in the past, and I think it's all starting to come out. I think that's with all sports, um, and it's starting to seem like it's very ingenuine, stuff like that, and people are getting tired of it. But also what I want to talk about. Do you have anything else to say about that? Uh, no, that's about it. Okay. Um, so I think it was, it was last night, yeah. Um, Isaiah Thomas, who was on the Wizards... Um, do you know who they were playing? They were playing the Sixers. The oh. Sixers. Was this the game yeah. you were watching? Yes, yeah, was the game I was watching. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> um, so, at the end of the game, so for people that have never been to a stadium, there's some teams that if a team scores like under 100 points or scores above 100 points, like the fans get a free coupon for like ice cream or a free sandwich or something like that. So, I guess this was at the Wells Fargo Center, so that's the 76ers home stadium. And so apparently what they do is if a team scores under 100 points, if the opposing team scores under 100 points, everyone gets a free ice cream cone. <laughs> so stupid. But... I was there yesterday. I did not get a free ice cream cone. Oh, you were at the I was game there. too? Yeah, that's that's where the Villanova-Kansas game was held. So Oh, okay. So... I'll, I'll get into the details into that after. But yeah, I was there, did not get a free ice cream cone. So maybe it's not the same deal. Actually, actually lost something there but we'll get into that <laughs> um okay so this is sounds so stupid but uh, so isaiah thomas was shooting two free throws at the end at this point it was like they sixers ended up pretty much blowing out the wizards um and so these points didn't obviously matter but towards the end of the game isaiah thomas was shooting free throws and his free throws would eclipse the 100 point mark and he ended up making both free throws, and then, uh, was it two? I think it was just one person. Uh, it was it was two people together, but one, the one person screamed it. Okay, so one of Pretty them sure. pointed up both their middle fingers and said, F you, the B word, three times. Um, and Isaiah Thomas took disrespect to it, I'll, whatever. And he said, what he said that he said was, don't be disrespectful of a man before anything be a fan. And so, what ended up happening, the two fans were kicked out of the stadium, and the one guy had season tickets, and those were revoked away from him, and so basically he's banned this whole season. Did anything happen with 
I think Isaiah Thomas he, was kicked out too because he he, he, was, yeah, he, he was he was ejected from the game and and he was he I think this happened broke about say an hour or two ago he got a two game suspension oh yeah because he entered the stands which you're not supposed to do mm-hmm. um and me and Nick were talking about this but personally I think if all these rumors are true what the guy said obviously I know there's like rules in stadiums don't use profanity and stuff like that and based off events that happened last season, the NBA has gotten much more strict with fan-player interactions, but I really don't think the guy deserved to be banned for the season. Like, uh, was it the Wizards last year, too? Do you remember? Um, I think I know you're talking about where uh, the guy, like, cursed it was, somebody. Wasn't it with Russell Westbrook? So it wasn't the Wizards. Uh, yeah, it was a Russell Westbrook. Yeah, correct. it was the Thunder. He like was uh, had racist comments against Russell Westbrook, which I think definitely deserves uh, seasons. Maybe not even a season suspension, but definitely a harsher suspension. But I feel like this, he used profanity. He didn't really say anything that disrespectful, and I don't think he deserved to have season tickets revoked from him. Really, I don't think it makes sense for any of these interactions to really have season um being taken away for the whole season unless it gets physical i don't know you you got what i'm saying with that mm-hmm. um what we said i definitely agree with you i also think it's a really tough spot for the nba at the same time like these fans that they're probably true. just having a good time they probably drank a little bit too much uh as what as, again what you said it's not that derogatory it, it's definitely it shouldn't be said but at the end of the day, they're probably, they probably should end the game, right? If you want to, because Isaiah Thomas addressed it, you want to kick him out of that game, I'd say okay. But the ban them for the whole season for that just seems a bit much. They, they probably just wanted their ice cream. Uh, you know, again, probably drank a little bit too much. The combination of those things, it wasn't really all that bad. And also, I, I don't want to keep going. Um, no, go ahead, go ahead. I kind of like how did how what sources are they trusting that this guy said? I mean, I guess you could see that he pointed both of his middle fingers, but, like, whatever. Continue. I think somebody recorded it right next to him. Oh, okay. So, no. I think I saw a video like that. Um, at the same time, at the same time, I definitely respect Isaiah Thomas. I think he, he's right for going to defend himself. And he did it in a respectful manner. That's true. And he did it in the right way. Um, so I can't really, you know, condemn him either. But it's going to be in a tough situation. I, I think, again, kick, here's the... The right situation to really handle it. I don't think the NBA did a horrible job, but I don't think they did the best job they could have done. It's it's pretty, you know, NBA is pretty decent at handling these things. Yeah, they are. Um, they're pretty big on protecting their players, you know. So I understand why everything happened. It's just I don't think it's necessarily the best thing that could happen. Uh, again, going into it, I'd say ban just take ban out of the game. Let him come back next time. You know, not cool. In terms of Isaiah Thomas getting suspended two games. I think it's a little bit harsh, but at the same time, I do understand it. Uh, after the Ron Artest incident, where he got into the stand, jumped to the stand, started, I don't know if you guys know about that, but I forget, yeah. he was playing for the Lakers at the time. Some fans had something new. He jumped to the stands, and, and like they actually got to a fight, and Ron Artest beat the man pretty severely. Yeah. Uh, that, that was that said something to him. So after that, the NBA has definitely taken you know the players going in and, and the fans going on to the you know that cross. Uh, they take it very seriously, so I understand. I understand why where the NBA is coming from handing out these suspensions. So again, tough situation, but I'd say you can handle it slightly better, but not horrible. Yeah. Um, I think that's it for. Is there any rocket stuff you want to talk about? Um, I think Russell Westbrook has picked up his play lately. He put up a forty point game the other day. Rockets are twenty and nine. We're definitely not as good as we could be, but we're not terrible. So yeah. so so. Yeah. Um, on the next. Standpoint, uh, Mike Miller made his first real big move, and he uh, put Frank Nilakina back on the bench and put in Alfred Payton. Um, they've lost two in a row in pretty bad uh, point differential and tip point differentials. Um, two very not good games. One against was against the Heat, and the other one was against the Bucks. Two. Pretty good opponents, but disappointing because they had gotten off to a pretty good start under Mike Miller. But I kind of talked about this, that I think it has been a little bit of a honeymoon period, and that's very common when new coaches come in. And I think the Knicks are just not a good team. 
which sucks because I thought they were going to be a good team or an okay team, but I've talked about, I don't really want to repeat myself with the Knicks. So that's basically it for basketball, I'd say. Um, college rundown, rundown time? Let's do it. So college rundown of the week. Not much uh, playoff news in terms of football, but I'll just go through football news real quick. Uh, in terms of the FCS, I know I wasn't going to talk about it again, but we are at the championship tournament's over. We have uh, James Madison University, the number two seed, going into the, the tournament and versus North Dakota State, which is the number one seed going into the tournament. So the committee who made the, the seeding did a pretty good job. If You know, you got the number one and number two seed at the end. Uh, North Dakota State, I'd assume, was pulled off. They're a very disciplined team. Again, if you guys don't remember, uh, Carson Wentz was drafted out of North Dakota State. So, th- you know, they could definitely build some talent at that school. Uh, moving on from there, this is the first week of the FBS playoffs. We have we have uh, LSU versus Oklahoma, and we have Ohio State versus Clemson. Uh, this is going to be happening twenty eighth, six days from now. So it'll be a Saturday. Um, that's about it. All there is for college football playoffs and college football in general. Um, we'll just we'll have to see. Uh, in terms of like draft stock and how, how players really decide to go or not, but we're still waiting on whether like Justin Herbert decides to return. It is very early, but I think we've heard from the Georgia tackle. I forget his name off the top of my head. I apologize, but he declared for the draft. Uh, he's the only one I can think of off the top of my head that's a really big player that declared for the draft already. So um, so that, that takes about – that's about it for uh, football this week. And then for basketball, pretty huge basketball week. Um, so starting it off with my, my boys, Villanova. Uh, we, we took on the number one seed, Kansas, this week. We were 18, upset them 56-55. I was at the game. Uh, a couple highlights from the game. Crazy atmosphere, sold out the Wells Fargo Center. Uh, the crowd was insanely loud. The crowd is loud that I've ever been, the loudest crowd I've ever been to. Uh, it, I don't know if you guys ever played 2K, but when you when you click LT and RT and you, you make the, the, the crowd shake to mess people with free throws, I know you felt that, Brian. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's what it felt like in there. I mean, I really got into it. If you guys want to check it out on my Instagram, uh, at nick.horvath, I was screaming my lungs out that game. It was a great, great atmosphere. Uh, beyond the game itself, um, obviously the Villanova upset the number one team. Uh, Joel and Beach showed up to the game, so that was pretty cool. He, uh, if you guys don't know, he went to Kansas, so he's there to support Kansas. Uh, a little pissed off at him was when we had a military salute. He, he did not stand up for the military salute. I'm a big military guy. I like when players salute the military, so. I Wait, wish you would have done that. What was it? What do you mean by military? What does that mean? They brought out a bunch of guys that, that served, and they're just you know like to congratulate them. Oh, I think okay. they were they played for a hockey team, like a, a they were like on a military hockey team, and they won some tournaments, so they were like recognizing them. Everyone's supposed to like stand up and clap for them. Gotcha. And I don't think Joel and B did. I didn't see him stand up, which I think I would because he's seven feet tall and <laughs> in the crowd of people that are like five foot five, so. Yeah, I think I would have saw him. He, he was—he was only like a couple rows away from me, so I think I would have saw him. Gotcha. Uh, so that was a little Joel Embiid little situation there. Uh, other than that, like, a great win for my Wildcats. A really exciting game to be at. The best sports game I think I've, I've ever been to. I can't wait to see what we have in the future when we get to March Madness. Um, beyond that, uh, basically going off of that, I think there's a trend that we're seeing here. There's no dominant team in college uh, basketball this this year. We've had five number one seeds fall before even January this year, which is unprecedented, I believe, or it's not unprecedented, but it's it's more on the unlikely side. Uh, and now we're searching for a new number one. If I had to guess, the new number one's either going to be taken by Gonzaga, because they've been very good so far, or Ohio State, which Ohio State had my game of the week. Uh, they wind up edging out uh, Kentucky uh, 71 to 65. Kentucky was a six seed. Ohio State was the five seed. I think this Ohio State team has been really good this season. They've beaten out a ton of ranked teams, including my Villanova Wildcats. They blew us out at the beginning of the season, and they've they've taken down uh, seeded teams and ranked teams. I think I think they've beaten ranked teams like four or five times this season. So they're they're probably my number either number one or number two seed. Whether it's Gonzaga or Ohio State's really a toss up. Very phenomenal teams so far. Um, I'm hoping my Wildcats can go up to maybe ten. Uh, I don't expect Kansas to move that far. Maybe to like the five seed. They're still a phenomenal team. Washington in person, they are the real deal. Uh, defensively, they're so sound. And they have a really good point guard in Dotson. And Asabuke is a really uh, dominant center. Reminds me of, is Bill. Reminds me of Duncan Robinson. But he has a lot of the 
a lot of the aspects that Joel Embiid had, which makes sense because he also went to Kansas. Um, in terms of Villanova, it was another cool thing. I've just seen my players do well. Jermaine Samuels went off for that game. Uh, this Villanova team is really interesting because they don't have any really star players or teams that really stand out in terms of when you look at the whole college basketball scene. But we have a lot of solid players. I think we play like nine players. And they all average like 10 points a game. Like, we're all like very even across the board. So, if let's say one of our players got injured, we wouldn't be screwed. But at the same time, we play as a team and not an individual player. So, I don't know. It, it's really cool to see. Um, I had a ton of fun at that game. Also, I think I talked about it earlier that I lost something at the game. So, I'm part of Villanova's like fan club because obviously I go there. Um, and the first 300 students I got into the game got a free t shirt. I got my free t shirt. But as I was leaving the game, I went to go take a picture of my friend. I think I set it down on the chair and I put it over my shoulder and somebody stole the, the damn shirt. It was a vintage shirt. I really liked the shirt and you can't buy them online because it's like those were, we unveiled our, unveiled our, our new retro jerseys that day oh. or yesterday and Saturday. And those shirts match, match the retro jerseys and you can't buy them yet. So like now I'm screwed out of a shirt. I tried buying a similar shirt online that Nike was selling. They were sold out. Very disappointed. <laughs> I kind of, I really like that shirt. I would like it back. If you listen, the guy who stole my shirt is listening to this. I sh- please give my shirt back. I want the shirt. It's an extra large. I guarantee you're probably like a medium or a small. That does not fit you. <laughs> give me the shirt back. <laughs> so that's my college basketball rundown of the week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's sad. Yeah, everyone who's listening to it, go find whoever stole Nick's shirt. Okay. All right. Well. That's it, right? No college, more college stuff? Yeah, no more college stuff. Okay. So I guess we'll get into a controversial topic. So we were having trouble finding something, and Nick brought up that um, baseball took marijuana off their banned substance list. Um, I guess there's not really a lot of background for that, but what do I think of it? To be honest, marijuana's becoming more of a very universally known thing that there's not a lot of bad effects. Well, there are bad effects, but you know what I like. Here, you give... Lethal. Yeah, you give your... There's nothing lethal about marijuana. Um, Banned substance lists are obviously supposed to keep players from using substances that could make them better than everyone else or just illegal substances. And as marijuana is becoming more of, what's a universe, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Universally legalized. That, but also like. That's a good way to, that's a good way to put it. Okay, we'll go with that. Um, it's just becoming more of a thing that everyone knows is fine to do. And there's really no, nothing else to really say about that. I definitely agree with you. Um, you know, from my medical background, the limited medical back, back, medic, limited medical background that I have, there's not really any lethal effects with marijuana. The studies are shown time and time again that there's nothing that's really going to kill you in it. It's it's similar, maybe like cigarettes. Not even cigarettes, alcohol. You know, when used in moderation, not terrible. Yeah. You know what? what you probably be healthier not using them, but they're not going to kill you on a day to day basis. Um, and on the legal side, I also think it's kind of hard for the MLB or any sport to really say that marijuana is a bad substance when it's legal in, in some states. That's true, too. Yeah. You know, how, how do you say, you know, it's legal in this state, but it's le- not legal in this state, so we should ban it. We should ban it because it's illegal in this state. It's just it gets tricky, and I just don't think there's an easy way to do it. Yeah. Um, it definitely I would definitely say that it really doesn't for, for as far as I'd say medical science knows and as far as we know, just as regular human beings. Uh, marijuana doesn't give you any type of playing advantage, nor does it really have any lethal effects or overly harmful effects. So, I, I understand why MLB took it off the the banned substance list. I get say I'm in favor of it or, or not in favor of it, um, but I could definitely see why they did it. Um, in terms of marijuana as a whole, I'm probably in favor. Just if anybody's wondering, I'm probably in favor of legalizing it. Yeah, me too. So, you know, I, I, again, I could definitely see why the MLB did it. It makes sense. Uh, I think it's good for them. They can definitely start a trend here that of, of you know other uh, professional sports leagues will follow. Yeah. So, um, other than that, I guess that's this week's podcast. Um, Nick, any final words? Uh, sure. Uh, happy Christmas, Happy Hanukkah to all my lo- all the listeners as well as uh, Happy Kwanzaa, whatever that is. I think it's, it's 
I googled it while you were talking before, and I'm pretty sure it's some sort of celebration for African heritage. So I, I don't know how it started, but that's what it is exactly. So it's um, not fake. So if, if you celebrate the Happy Kwanzaa, um, I'm currently wearing a Christmas hat right now. Yeah. My yeah. sister gave it to me earlier. I just I put it on because my hair's kind of a mess. Um, but you guys can't see that. <laughs> <laughs> Other than that, uh, in terms of like my week coming up or a couple weeks coming up, stuff that I'll be talking about in the podcast in the future. Uh, number one, I'm home now. So me and Brian back in our hometown while well, he's been here, but I'm, yeah. I'm back now. So it's nice to be home. Um, beyond that, uh, one of my company, Ever Be Celebrities, that, that I volunteer for, they're having a show coming up in January, which I, I might work, might not. We'll have to see what the. How's it going to go there? But if I can get Brian, then that'll be nice. We'll, we'll see what we can do there. Um, and then I also have, I think they're like courtside Knicks tickets. They're, they're very close. They're like four rows back, something like that. Wait, like Knicks they're very expensive. What did you say? Did you say Knicks or Nets tickets? They're, they're Nets. Oh, okay. Yeah, so they're Nets tickets. So I'm going to probably get some good footage at that game. I gotta get my, I'm getting my sister to wear a Kyrie Irving jersey, see if he'll sign it. Definitely record that, put it up on the Sport Universe, but that would be cool. Um, that's like that's my week swing forward. Um, let me tell you, Christmas has been an absolute nightmare with the presents. Me and Brian were talking about it before absolute nightmare. <laughs> I, I don't want to get into detail, but just absolute nightmare. Getting this is the first year where I've like really bought presents for my entire family, and it's a nightmare. I see why my parents hate this. <laughs> um, other than that, uh, I hope you guys enjoyed listening. If you guys have any questions, comments, concerns. Leave them in the comments below. Contact me at nicholashorvath10 at yahoo.com. Contact me on my Instagram at nick.horvath. Contact me on my Twitter at nickhorvath61. Um, I just want to say that we would think about maybe starting a Twitter. Me, me and Brian are, like, you know, working that out. We'll see where it goes there. Uh, other than that, thank you guys for listening. I'm going to hand it over to Brian. See you guys next week. Yeah. Um. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Harry Kwanzaa, I don't know. All those things, like I said in the beginning. Um, me and Nick had our first official business meeting before our pod- this podcast. So <laughs> we were discussing some things. So expect some big things in the future. I guess bigger things than what we've done. Um, what else is there to say? You want to assess this video coming out tomorrow? Other than that, there's not... I mean, obviously, we have daily videos and should have some interviews coming out. Other than that, we'll be back next week. Let us know what you thought of our con- uh, this podcast. Um, they're not going up on YouTube anymore, so if you want to just contact us on Instagram, something like that, to tell us what you thought. Check out our videos on YouTube, like I said. We post daily, um, except for Sunday, but, I mean, the podcasts are still on Spotify and Apple Podcasts for Sunday. If you're interested in writing writing for us, editing videos, graphic design, anything like that, we'd greatly appreciate you joining. If you're interested in that, contact us at thesportuniverse2019 at gmail.com. Other than that, thanks for listening. Bye.